Brilliant. So it's great to share with you again. And what we're doing is I'm doing a short break in our mark. We've done two of mark. A short break now I thought was just really relevant to us going through the baptism service. And then we dive into mark for another two weeks before Vic comes next week. And uh, it's just so great to share with you again. It's such a privilege. Uh, I'm nothing special in the slightest, but it's just a joy to be able to open up God's word together and to share him. And uh, he's changed my life forever. He's changed many of our lives forever here. And uh, he's the one who we come to see on Sundays. He's the one we come to encounter. He's the one who actually can only do anything in our lives. Uh, sure, I can say a few things and, uh, and others can, and we can sing great songs, but he's the one who changes us. And it's only him who can do it. And so wherever you are on that faith journey, as I said earlier, maybe it's your first time exploring faith or you've been invited rather reluctantly because somebody's getting baptized uh, today. It's just so great to have you here and I really want you to open yourself to what God might want to say. So I'd love to look at today the fact that your life and mine is anything but ordinary. Anything but ordinary. Whoever you are, whatever you do occupationally, whatever your history is, and your past, uh, whatever you're involved in now, good or bad, God has a purpose for your life. There's no second-rate people in God's eyes. There's no second-class Christ followers. There's no second-class people. And he's drawing you into living a tr transformed life, a supernatural life, a life of purpose. Uh, I almost lost that, but it's okay. Uh, it's often more about the small than the big, it's often more about the hidden things of our lives that nobody else sees rather than the seen things. It's often more about humility and how we carry ourselves rather than pride and thinking we can do it on our own. It's a lot more about serving than it is receiving, but it's anything but ordinary. It's fulfilling and it's worth giving your life and mine for. So we're going to look at four points from the book of Ephesians that are going to help us see that our lives are anything but ordinary. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to Ephesians 2. If you don't, it would be great for you to buy one. We can help you with that or look at it on your phone. I love a paper Bible um, at home. So however is best for you. But we're going to look at this together. Just we're going to unpack this one passage. This is what it says. Ephesians 2, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Point one, the gift of grace. It says there at the start, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now grace is not something that we say before we have a meal, uh, I know if you're at a boarding school, uh, this just got drilled into you. And all you were thinking about was, I've just got to eat. These guys have starved me. In fact, to be honest, at most boarding schools in Zim, at least in my time, you weren't even excited about what you were eating. So uh, you weren't saying grace for that at all. It was like getting ready to get back to your uh, locker to get the food that mom gave if it hadn't been confiscated. Um, but grace is not what we say before a meal. We might say that, but it's not actually what we say before a meal. It's a word used, at least biblically, to describe unmerited favor. That's what grace is used to describe. It's getting what we don't deserve. 
Talking about grace, that's what we speak about. Grace in, a, in, in a biblical terms is Jesus stepping into our world to make a way for us to have a friendship with him that we weren't able to have if it wasn't for him acting in our place. Grace is paying the price for your sin and mine on the cross on a hill called Golgotha outside Jerusalem. Grace is a display of love that is so amazing and so undeserving that we as people struggle to make sense of it. And there's a few reasons why we struggle to make sense of it. And probably particularly in the area in which we live, the privileged northern suburbs, it's something that we struggle to understand. Firstly, it's because we live in a world of ungrace. We live in a world that doesn't demonstrate grace to us. You get noticed and praised when you perform, be it at school, be it in the marketplace, when you achieve more than others. And then when you mess up, your life is put on display for everybody to see or on the news stations or maybe you're shunned or maybe you're gossiped about as an example of how not to live with no love and support on the whole. It's about always doing better. And so when Jesus says, I love you regardless of the type of person you are, we struggle to understand that his love for us is not based on how we perform. Because so often that's how we love. So often that's how we display how we care about people. It's when they reciprocate. It's when they've done well enough to deserve our love. But Jesus says, actually, you're never going to deserve my love, but I'm going to display it and I'm going to show it to you regardless of whether you deserve it or not. That's the one reason we struggle. Secondly, we struggle because we don't really think we need his grace. Firstly, we think we might be undeserving. Secondly, we don't think we actually need his grace. Notice how it says there, by grace you have been saved. And in the world, um, in our world, we go, what could I possibly need to be saved from? I mean, I'm an upright citizen. I do well. I pay my taxes sometimes. Uh, it's easier to say that in England or America. Uh, it's more complicated, yeah. More discussions. We could do a lot of seminars on that. But <laughs> we look and go, I'm an upright citizen. Sure, there are bad people in the world, but not me. There's murderers and there's rapists. There's really bad politicians. There's all those sorts of things around the world. But I'm an upright citizen. So to be honest, on the scales, when, when God's going to choose between who needs grace and who doesn't, I just don't really think I do. Other people do, but actually I am a good person. Sure, the weak and messed up people need God. They need grace. But it's okay. I can make it on my own. And my answer is, don't make the mistake of comparing yourself to others instead of comparing yourself to God. Our comparison is not a horizontal comparison on how we do on the scales of society and goodness. Our comparison is how we do when lining up to a perfect God. When we compare ourselves against him, it changes everything. You know, if we were to create a movie montage, I've shared this before, but it's helpful for me to hear this again as well. If we were to create a movie montage of everything you have thought, said, and acted on in just the past week, and then invite everybody after church to watch the movie of your thoughts and what you've said, what you've watched, and what you have acted on, how excited would you be? I don't think there's anybody in this room who would be excited. And if you've had a particularly wonderful week and you haven't thought anything that you wouldn't like us to see, I reckon the next, if we backdated another week, then you'd be in trouble. There's not one of us who would feel comfortable with that, with our thoughts, with our actions, with our words. Why? Well, it's because there's things in our lives that we are ashamed of. There's things that maybe nobody else sees 
that we're not really that comfortable with opening up for everybody else to see. And that is the word called sin that separates us from a relationship with God now and forever. You see, when we die, there's no floating around. There's no ceasing to exist. And there's actually a number in different church settings who have really preached from the pulpit sort of annihilism. Or just when you die, there's no hell. There's only heaven as an upside. But as a downside, if you decided to kind of not follow Jesus, if you decided to not make a plan with your sin that you can't make on your own but by receiving Jesus, it's kind of okay. You just cease to exist and it's not the best for you, but it's really not the worst. No, there is heaven or there's hell. There's no other options. Heaven if you choose Jesus, and he so wants you to choose him. That's why he came to the cross. Or hell if you choose not to choose him. And hell is projected into eternity, getting exactly what we decide. If on earth we decide we don't want Jesus. Hell is the absence of anything good, because Jesus is good, but for all eternity. You're on earth now, whether you're Christful or not, there's an overflow of his goodness. And so we experience his goodness, whether we're Christ followers or not. He's good God, and he's trying to draw us in. But once the, our life on earth ends, we get exactly what we choose. And so that's sin and that mess in our lives. We have an opportunity today to open ourselves to what he might want to do. We can't make it right in our own strength. Have you ever tried to clean up mess with a dirty cloth? Mop up a dirty floor in your kitchen, but with a dirty cloth. You actually just make it worse. And when we as people try to sort out the mess of our hearts on our own, it's like taking a dirty cloth to our hearts and trying to make it clean. It's never going to work. That's why we need Christ. We need a clean cloth, and that can only come from a perfect God. We need someone to make those parts of our lives right. And it says there, this is not of ourselves, but it's a gift of God. That means he's the first mover in your life and mine. He reaches down in love towards the people who've turned from him. And this is the difference between the Christian faith and any other. If you can have a conversation with anyone about the Christian faith, maybe in your office or maybe here you're, you're thinking about faith things. The key difference, there's many, but the key one is, is the realization as Christ followers that there is nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to make ourselves right with God. No amount of reading our Bibles, no amount of prayers, no amount of taking communion, nothing makes us right with God. The only way to be made right is to receive what he's done. It's not about looking up, it's about receiving from the one who's come down. It's realizing we'll never make perfection and so we need him to solve the problem of our lives. It's this picture of a father almost reaching down into, maybe their child's fallen into a, into a pit, but no matter how much they jump or climb, they're never gonna reach up. And so they need the help and the father reaches down to grab them up. Or maybe a, a child getting swept down with a strong current or in the sea getting swept away and dad reaches and grips and they can't do anything to stop themselves being pulled away. But the father has strength. He's a strength they don't possess. No matter how much they try, they won't solve it. They won't get out that pit. They won't swim against the current, but there's one who can. That's the story of grace. It's this one who steps down who can. And I've got this gift here with me. Who would like it? I think it was first over there, Lucy. That was the quickest. You can have it, here. You can even open it. It's not that bad. Oh. Matt, can you pass it down to Lucy? Oh, there you go. There we go. Thank you, Matt. Give it up for Lucy. First, put your hand up. Always take gifts. Always take gifts. There was someone here who was like just almost there. 
but you know, we're a very reserved culture, you know, and so we're, we're quite scared to like put our hands up and clap and things, but well done, Lucy, you did it. You can even open it. You can open it now, Lucy, go for it. I promise it's not a trick. It's not a trick gift. So you can open it. Uh, you can enjoy it. It's actually a great book. We're doing it in the Hope Leadership Academy. Um, and so there we go. You don't have one yet, hey, Lucy? There we go. Exactly. Take it. Enjoy it. Um, it's a wonderful one. We'll actually probably sell it later. It's about small habits with God's help that lead to lives of huge impact. So there's the gift that I've given out. Now Lucy can open it and she can marvel at it. She can look at it and say, this is a great book. But its true purpose from the giver or the true purpose can only be found if it's explored, if it's used, if it's celebrated, if it's actually embraced for the gift that it is. And a gift by its very nature is free. It doesn't cost us anything. It shows the person has thought of us, cares about us. Those of you who love giving gifts or Christmas or birthdays, that's what it demonstrates to us. The person who's given it to us, they love us, they care for us. But it has to be received opened and enjoyed when it comes to this gift of grace we can't say to jesus that's amazing thank you for that gift i'm just going to leave that gift of grace in my cupboard i'm just going to leave it there but it's just wonderful that you did it but i'm really going to explore more i'm not going to find out more i'm not going to embrace it it's a great gift maybe it's a great gift for someone else i'm going to repackage it and send it out to someone else but but it's not for me i don't need it well then we don't get the benefits of the gift that he has given us you might say but craig i don't really know what it is what exactly is God's gift of grace? I don't really know if this gift is worth me opening it. We'll explore today and explore tomorrow and ask questions. I had a great conversation uh, with a teenager. I was speaking at a youth event on Wednesday. Great chat. And I just said, um, what, what, do you, what did you think about this? He had just come along to explore this youth event. I'd been talking. And he's like, you know, I just don't really know about this faith stuff. Sometimes I think there's a God, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I, I hear people saying there isn't. I, I'm just not sure. And I said, well, would you like to have coffee? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what you're exploring, what you're struggling with. He's like, I'd really like that. So if you're in this place of not being sure where you stand with God, ask questions, explore, ask people about what do you think about God? Has he changed your heart? What is this gift about? Jesus is offering the gift of grace to you and I today, but we need to open it we need to experience it. Don't say thank you, but I have enough gifts. Don't say thank you, but someone else needs this more than me. No, you and I need the gift of grace. We need it desperately. The grace of God is free to receive, but it costs Jesus everything. The King of heaven stepped down into our world. He gave it all because he loved us. And if you don't know Jesus, that's available today. And if you know Jesus, the grace of God is not something we get tired of. It's not something we grow out of. We go deeper into the grace of God every day. In fact, it's the only thing that transforms us. It's more of him. It's more of his power. It's more of his help. It's more of his support. That's what changes us. We don't try harder. We receive more. So that's the first one, the gift of grace. Second point. If you came here for the first time, you do know that we finish at 1030, eh? It's going to be a long one. Point two. It's all about him. It says there, verse nine. Not by works, so that no one can boast. There are two incredible things about this gift of God. Firstly, it brings a great sense of joy and peace each day. There's no striving. There's no trying harder at life so that one day God might accept me. It's the, it's the opposite. It's recognizing, wow, God loves me. 
He cares about me deeply before I've done anything to deserve it. And in spite of my mess, he loves me. And now I get to live for him out of gratitude. I don't do church and lead church because I want to earn God's love. I know he loves me. And so this is just a privilege. This is just an overflow. For those on serving teams and guys got you early, uh, step in here and set up at 6.30 and others serving. We don't do it because we, we want to somehow tick a box and get God to love us. No, he loves us. That's why we do what we do. We do it because we just want to pour out a little bit of gratitude for everything he's done for us. Do you know how incredible it is to wake up each morning knowing that you're radically loved by God? It changes everything. We don't try to be more like Jesus to earn his love. We try to be more like Jesus because we have his love. So that's the first thing. It's all about him, but with it being all about him, we get to live a life of peace and joy each day. Not trying to earn, but because we've received already. And secondly, it removes all pride from our lives, which is what it says there. It says this is not by works, not by what you do, so that none of us have a room to boast. Ruse pride. There's no room for boasting when we realize our need before God. But in our society, as I said earlier, it's all about achievement. It's about success. It's about who has the latest and who has the greatest. Who's done more? This could be on the sports field. This could be in the marketplace. This could be in the size of our homes or the cars we drive. But that's how we match each other up in life. Come first, you get the award. Work hard, you get the promotion. We live in the Frank Sinatra world of, I did it my way. That's the world we live in, but I did it my way. I did it on my own, on my own terms. I'm a self-made man, self-made woman. I did it on my own. That's the world in which we live. It's about me. In fact, actually, God kind of owes me a thing or two because uh, I've done a lot for him in this world. <laughs> and so, uh, so actually, God, uh, you, know, you, you, I, I, you kind of owe me the good life. I'm one of the good ones, and you owe it to me. We can think like this. But using Frank Sinatra as an example, ultimately, Frank Sinatra was created by God as we all are. Frank Sinatra's gifts were from God, as all of ours are. There's no room for boasting in ourselves and what we've accomplished. Those gifts are from the creator. We didn't create the gifts and talents and abilities, the opportunities we have. You might say, well, I don't actually believe in God, Craig. This life is all there is. And all I'd say to you is that I feel the reason you're in this room today, the reason why you've been invited, the reason why you might be exploring today is because deep down in your heart, you actually believe there is. And there is. And the more you open your heart to him, the more he'll show you the reality of who he is. There's no room for boasting in our abilities and successes when it comes to the Christian life. There's only space for humility and servant-heartedness when we recognize that we can't do anything to earn his love and that our gifts and abilities are an overflow of his grace in our lives. And this blows me away at Hope Church. It's been amazing to see people of tremendous capacity in the marketplace, in marriages, in families, actually saying, you know what? Everything we have, our time, our resources, it's just God's. And we want to use it. How can we use it for his kingdom? Blows us away. Young and old blows me away. But why? It's because God's gripped their heart. And they've realized that their life is his and that's the route to purpose. So it's amazing to see. There's someone I watched. There was a number of us who watched, who did the Global Leadership Academy over Africa Day. It was so special. Um, sorry, the Alpha Leadership Academy. And I watched the interview and I've researched it more. A man called Anthony Tan. You might know, know him, co-founder of Grab, one of the most successful billion-dollar businesses in Southeast Asia, sort of Uber's competitor. Billions and billions of dollars. He was interviewed on the stage and he said, Jesus came into our world to serve us. 
with his disciples, he washed their feet to say, actually, Jesus, the king, didn't come to serve, uh, to be served, but to serve. And so he said, that's how we lead our business. I serve. And that's how I do it. And then he said, secondly, each day I remind myself that my business growth is 0% me, and it's 100% God. And every time I have a chance of being arrogant, like Anthony Tan, you did this. He said, when I made the first million, got on my knees, Jesus, 0% me, 100% you. Made the first 100 million, 0% me, 100% you, I'm just your servant. Made it to the first billion, 0% me, 100% you. The most humble man and family. Check it out, grab, see what they've done in the community. They've really built themselves to have huge impact in Southeast Asia. It's what God can do when he grabs hold of our hearts. So it's for each of us, daily saying, thank you, Jesus. All I have is a gift from you. You gave me these gifts and abilities. Sure, I put in the work, but my, by my birth, my life, my placement in this world, it's only possible by you. So we have humility and we have peace in life. Amazing. Last two quick ones. Created for good works. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Your life's not an accident. You didn't come here or come about because of atoms bumping together. You were lovingly made as an artist creates a masterpiece. Psalm 139 verse 13 says, For you, God, formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Others say he saw our unformed body. So you and I have value because Jesus says you have value. Maybe you're here today and you're going, I just don't think people would miss me if I'm not here. I don't think that I have much value actually. What do I have to offer? You have value because God created you. He doesn't create accidents. He doesn't make mistakes. So you have value because he created you. You were created with love and care. Your looks, your abilities, your personality, every part of you. Your life was never an accident. You were planned from before the world and you weren't made to just float through life. There are good works that God created for you and I to do. You might say, Craig, but what are those? I don't know what Jesus has asked me to do. My life's kind of a bit ordinary. What has he asked me to do? It's actually very simple. There's one thing he's asked you to do, just one. One that he's asked you and I to do. Aside from a relationship with him, he said, there's one thing and everything else you do, every gift and every ability is to help that one thing happen. He says it in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, which we're gonna do just now. Can't wait. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That's our purpose. Every single one of us, our purpose as Christ followers is to help other people meet Jesus. It's our purpose, our whole lives. That's my purpose. Doesn't matter if you're a businessman, stay-at-home mom, that's your purpose, to help other people encounter Jesus. And it's exhilarating and it's thrilling. You might say, but Craig, that's a little too simple. That's the point. Living out God's purpose is not complicated. But our thoughts and our academia and our busyness, that's what gets in the way. It's not complicated to live for him. He asks us what to do. It's just hard to do it. And that's our purpose. It's the most important purpose we could ever have. It's about eternal destinies that are at stake. All our gifts and all our abilities are tools to see that come about. So our businesses, those of you who lead businesses here, the reason for doing business is so that you can point employees to Christ. The way that you do business in an exceptional way can point people to Christ. The revenue you create, you create can advance God's kingdom. Your ability to build great businesses, it's an amazing tool. It's a wonderful gift. Why? To extend God's kingdom. 
Everything that we have is an opportunity to do that. Our families, the way we raise our kids, our achievements, they can point people to Jesus if we're prepared to share that. Jesus doesn't want us to stop what we're passionate about. He's given each of you here passions, abilities, desires. Go for it. And each of those is the most wonderful tool to see his kingdom extended. And that's a purpose you will never get tired of. It's a purpose you can live your whole life. You can live into retirement. It's something that can keep you busy over meal times, at coffees, on the sports field. Wonderful purpose. You'll never, ever get tired of the purpose that Jesus gives you. You might say when it's business, but Craig, all I'm good at is employing people and making money. I've had these conversations with lots of guys. Craig, you've got the real job. All I do is work 825. I'm kind of tied up in this business. I'm like, no, no, no. You're in the middle of God's kingdom advance. You're there. You're on the coal face. You can be doing this every day. Our lives are anything but ordinary. God has uniquely placed us in our time in history with our giftings, our circumstances, the nation of Zim that we're in, the networks that we have, the connections we have to live a life of exhilarating purpose. We're a vital strand in his tapestry. We're a puzzle piece that's essential for people to see the beautiful picture of Christ's kingdom. And so it's all hands on deck to see people experience Jesus and many disciples made. So go for it in your gifting. Go for it in seeing God's church grow and develop. And we know as Hope Church that God's calling us to see many people in the city and beyond come to faith. That may mean more services. It may mean a larger venue. It may mean a disciple training college that sends teenagers out to different parts of the world. It may mean creative production. I don't know those things yet. I know God's calling and he's raising up our excitement and our expectation. We don't know exactly, but it involves all of us. So don't waste a moment living for what doesn't matter. There's work to be done. The final thing I'll say as we close, I know some kids are coming and that's okay. We can be confident in his plan for our lives. It says they're at the end, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know that he's in control of this world. He knows all and he's prepared great things for you and I to do. That means we don't have to stress about the future. We don't have to strive about the future. We don't need to panic about the future. We can trust in him. Matthew 10 verse 30 says, but even the hairs of your head are numbered. He knows everything about you. Job 14 verse 5 says, since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you, you've appointed his limits that he cannot pass. He knows. He knew we were going to be born. He knows we we're going to die. He knows it all. He's not worried about the future of the world. He's not in a panic. He is in control of our lives. He knows our bodies. He knows our death date. It's no surprise to him. That can bring us great comfort.